This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Tuesday Night Cheer. Just get back from Israel. Before we start, I have to tell you what's going on. This is what's going on. So I have this book I wrote a year and a half ago, Let There Be Rain, Rabbi Finkelman and Rabbi Wallerstein, on gratitude. Now, if you look in the book, there are 178 lessons. Um... 178, 178 pages twice. What's 178 times two? Three? 56. So, we can sell three, we can sell 356 dedications. Every day you can dedicate for $360, you can dedicate, and we sold out right away. You can dedicate for Nishama, Bar Mitzvah, wedding, anniversary, good things, all kinds of good things. So every single day of learning, is dedicated, as you can see on the bottom. Okay, every single day, 356 days. So, after I came out with this beautiful book, people said to me, um, Rabbi, I would love to learn this every day, put it in my tillum bag. But you can't put a book like this in your tillum bag. So why, why don't you make it in miniature, you know, a small book, that I can put it in my tillum bag, and you'll see hundreds of tillum bags with your book in it. But a lot of people can't take it to shul because of that. And then girls were saying like, I'd love to take this on the train with me to work, but I can't put a book like this on the train with me, even though their pocketbooks are usually like a like a suitcase, right? So they want a book like this, this size, a pocket size. So we decided that Bezrat Hashem, we will make a pocket size, but we need to get the three hundred and fifty-six dedications. I wanted to come out with this book in pocket size on circus, but we only had a hundred dedications. We are now up to three we have three hundred and eight already that are dedicated, right? So I gotta go from three hundred and eight to three fifty six, which means I have what? Forty eight left. So anyone out there that's watching this tonight, please, there are forty eight dedications. Doesn't matter what day you dedicate, even if it's not the yard site or whatever it is, if it's whatever day it is, it doesn't have to be on the yard site. Whatever day you dedicate, it goes for the person that, that that was Nifter. So it doesn't have to be on your anniversary day. It goes towards that day. So we have... I can't print the book until I have these 48 sold. So I wanted to do it in, in circus. Of course, it didn't happen in circus. But now that we're only 48 away, I would love to put out my safer in pocket size, let there be rain. I would love to put it out for Purim. I would love to put it for Purim. Definitely that for Pesach so that people can take it with them wherever they're going for Pesach and they should have it on Purim. And I'll see it in all the talis bags and people are going to learn it. It's Akrasatov, it's going to bring Mashiach. It's, it's, it's the most important media that there is. So therefore, the next 48 people who call, now let me give you the number, it's 917, okay, take out a pen, I'll give you two minutes. All right, you take out your pen? All right. 917-444-7555. 917-444-7555. Call that number tomorrow leave a message tonight I got people working around the clock on this um, first 48 so what's the extra mitzvah for you 48 whoever's going to do this because you're going to buy the 48 I'll be able to put out the book the faster the book goes out the more people that learn it so not only are you getting a mitzvah for $360 dedicating and you can pay over the $360 you don't have to pay it in one check you want to pay it over 5 checks or 6 checks or 7 checks you could do it that way um, but 
now you get an extra mitzvah because it'll get the book out by Purim. So that would be very big. So there's only 48 left. I can't sell 55. I can only sell 48. So the first 48, it's your mitzvah. You're getting the book printed. Of course, all the guys that are watching, um, you could also help me. It's not just for girls. I mean, this is a, a very, very important book. Now, if for some reason you can't call that number and you only do email, it's info, info, I-N-F-O, at Hakaras Hatov Initiative.com. Info at Hakaras, H-A-K-A-R-A-S, Hatov, H-A-T-O-V, Initiative, hmm, we should know how to spell that, I-N-I-A-T-I-V-E dot com. Info at Hakaras, H-A-K-R-A-S, Hatov, H-A-T-O-V, Initiative dot com. You can send an email, first 48, the Gematria, Memchas. First 48, um, have a chance to do this. I, I really want to get this book out. I, I think that all the tulum bags will be full of them and pocketbooks, and it will be a very, very big thing to help us out. It's $360. Where does the $360 go? It goes to the Hakaras Hatov Initiative. Last year we gave out 3,000 um, books, 3,000 books to to young kids in um, in school. Um, you know the books where you write in Sefer Zichronos, where you write in every day what you know what Hashem did for you, what everyone did for you. These very beautiful books. I don't have one in front of me. We gave them out. I got crazy, crazy letters from the kids and their mothers and everything else. So it goes doesn't go to me, doesn't go to Ornava. It goes to Hakarasatov Initiative. Please, please, um, three hundred sixty dollars is not a lot of money. It's forever. This book. We sold over 11,000. It's in its, I don't know what printing. Every time they print it, we can't sell it again. So every time they print it, for the next 100, 200 years, your name is going to be in the book. It's forever. L'Ilam. $360 for something L'Ilam? I don't think it's very expensive. So please help us out. This is what the book looks like in big. Um, it's going to be this kind of size. Not this exact book. This is a sign book. But this is the size it's going to be. And everybody can carry along with them. Alright, that's the advertisement for tonight. What? Back to the regular program. Dasani, okay, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna do a water, oh, oh, we're not gonna do a water advertisement. Okay. So of course I was at Exhal, I went to visit my Rebbe. And my Rebbe just wrote a safer, Rebbe Gamliel. Tiv Hischatskus on Kibbut of the Aim. Very important book. So he gave it to me, Pasha's Yisro, the fifth commandment. His commandment is, What's it doing in the first five commandments? The first five commandments are being Adul Makom. right? Shabbos. What's Kibbut of Aim doing up there? Kibbut of Aim should be with being Adul Machavero. So we know that honoring your parents, I'm going to see what he writes in his safe, I'm going to read from inside because you would not believe what he writes if I told you from outside. No, he doesn't write about werewolves, but it's very, very fascinating what he does write. So, so we know if your parents who you see, they fed you, they burped you, they diapered you, they took care of you, they bought your clothing, they took you to school, they took you to the doctor, you know, no matter what you're going to say, you're a dysfunctional family, you're not a dysfunctional family, they're abusive, they're not abusive, but for sure they did take care of you when you were a baby or you wouldn't be around. 
So they changed your diaper and they burped you at 3 o'clock in the morning walking around banging into walls. Right? We, we forget about that, you know? We forget about what our parents did for us. So, if you can't honor them, you, you can't have a relationship with them, how are you going to have a relationship with an someone you don't see? You don't hear? It's impossible. It's not going to happen. So, so it's very, very connected. Now, Leo wrote some very fascinating stuff. Listen carefully. He writes the following. Issa, we find Betana de Eliyahu. In the Tana Delio, the Tana Delio says this. Half the quarter from inside, you wouldn't believe me. Lama Nismacha Mitzvah's Kibbutz of Aim, Eitzel Shemir Shabbos. Right? The fourth one is Shemir Shabbos, and the fifth one is Kibbutz of Aim. If you're going to tell me that Kibbutz of Aim is like, is like serving Hashem, so write, write it after Anoichi. Why is it next to Shemir Shabbos? The Lama Nismacha to tell you, Shekol HaMachavit is of his emo, anybody who honors his mother and his father, even if that person is Machal Shabbos, he does give it up to but he's Machal Shabbos. How is that Nimchaloi? Hashem will forgive him for the Chil Shabbos. Hello? You hear what I just said? The Tanah Dveliyahu. These words are very, very deep. Ki Haloi Oven Chil Shabbos. Isn't the sin of Shabbos, Chil Shabbos, the most stringent of all the messages in the Torah? They stone you. The hardest of the Abba Mises Bezin is stoning. So what are you talking about? You keep giving up, hey, my Shem's not going to punish you for Chil Shabbos. This is the Torah of Eliyahu. Bab became him, Kiyam Mises, give it up, hey, even though if he keeps kibbutz of aim, he'll be he'll be forgiven for the for the Isra Shabbos. Now that doesn't mean that you should go be, do kibbutz of aim and then get on your phone on Shabbos. That's not what it means. We don't really understand what it means. It's very deep. Now this is what he says. This is Rabbi Gamliel wrote the Sefer. How how much we have to strengthen. This Indian of Kibbut of Aim. Bahaloi Hadaba Eno Pasha Cloud. He says, this is not simple. Okay, this is what he says. Somebody who disgraces the honor of his father and his mother. He is also disgracing the honor of God. He says, I see this more. By by boys, Asher Matchilin lehistrada me derech atarah who started to go off the derech. He mekaidim in the beginning of their traveling, going off the derech before the mechal Shabbos and do all their averes. Matchilin, the first thing they do is lezalzal bechoyd harayim. They they they're mezalzal in the covenant, in the honor of their parents. Umikan hari lemarah hatzara derech lishol hataktus karav moid. And once they do that, they fall to the bottom very fast. Why? Why? A boy who's fresh to his mother and father and answers them back, does he fall to be Mechal Shabbos and eat treif and do all the other bad things that he does? Because once you don't, listen to what he's saying, very strict, very hard. He says, once a person 
doesn't honor his mother and his father, he loses the siyata deshmaya that that was malava him until now. says, and in the medrash we see something unbelievable. When God sees the nation of Israel, Shemekayimitz is given of aim, and the Jewish people are keeping the mitzvah of given of When Hashem sees that, he gets a feeling that he wants to redeem us. When he sees, that we're honoring our parents. If you're honoring your parents, but if Hashem sees that the Jewish people are not honoring their parents and they're mezalzal in the cover of their parents, it causes God not to redeem us. I think the Gemara says, the Gemara says in the last door before Mashiach, it'll be a very big whack, a very big chutzpah of kids to parents. That's the whole struggle to bring the Gula. If for their parents who brought them into this world, you can't find a reason to honor them, they brought you into this world. You surely will not honor me. And you know what? Rabbi Gamil is still right because so many times I speak to kids and I'm like, how could you talk to your parents like that? I mean, they brought you into this world and they're like, who asked them to bring me to this world? I owe them something? They brought me to this world? I told you the kid with the Volvo, the girl with the Volvo. She walked into my office cursing her mother, calling her every name in the world, and I'm like, excuse me, you can't talk like that in my office. And she's cursing her mother with the worst words. And her father looks at me and he goes, I don't understand my daughter. I mean, she just turned 18. I just bought her a brand new Volvo. I'm like, a real, a brand new Volvo? So I looked at the girl and I said, Forget everything else. Forget the fifth commandment. Father bought you a Volvo? I don't think I get a pair of roller skates when I was 18. You got a Volvo? She's like, so what? Like, so what? I mean, a little respect? She goes, big deal I got a Volvo. That's my father's job. I'm like, what? Yeah, that's right. Once I can drive, it's my father's drive to get me, my father's job to get me a car. I said, it's his job? Really? I didn't know he works for you. Yeah, they're crazy, this generation. It's your job. So you gave birth to me. So you got to buy me. You got to take me to Florida. You got to... I didn't ask you. So I said, that's right. That's what I'm going to say. Because then, what do you say? Listen, look, curse that type to Hashem. You know, he gave you life. He brought you into this world. Who asked him to bring me to this world? Same question. The same questions you have on your parents, you have on God. It's the same question. Who asked them? He owes me. They owe me. It's a job. It's a chef's job. You put me in the world. Your job to feed me. It's your job to get me a car. It's your job to fill up my bank account. It's your job to get me a nose job. It's your job. Everything's your job. It's the same thing. That's why it's in the same first five. He goes on. He says the following. Now this is very deep. And I, I know that it's true. And I actually brought two stories to my Rebbe. Very, very fascinating what he's about to say. Harbei Pa'amim, listen to this. Guys, this is very important. Harbei Pa'amim, many times, Bo'elai, Rabbi Gomil is writing, people come to me, Avrechim, 
married people, Shivish people. Umasikhanas Libam and they're they're searching their heart, I'll call Minekshayim, Shishlim Bitsai Gidalabanam. They don't understand why they're having such a hard time with their kids. Why they're struggling with their relationship with their kids. So they asked Rabbi Gamliel's big makobel, what's my tikkun? What should I do? What should I fix? He says, Rabbi Gamliel says, I need wagal leayetz. I many times advise lehem to them. She asks for cheshben anefesh. They should, they should do a cheshben anefesh. Hey, chesnagu be eating kivet hayrehem. Look at the derech. You need to think about how you treated your parents. What is that, everyone? What is that? What is that called in Rabbi Wallstein's book? What? Spiritual DNA. Ulai lepa'amim. Maybe sometimes, I feel about Eidim Ketanim, when you were even a small child, Paga ipam izilzul be'avim v'imam. Maybe you made fun of them, or you caused them a disgrace. And if you remember such a thing, then you better go to your parents and ask them a chilo. So many people come to Rebbe Gamliel, and that doesn't mean that every kid that's off the derech, you look at the parents and say, like, oh, what did you do to your parents? But, but it's one of the things you need to check out. And I'm going to tell you two crazy stories on this subject. Avizatzal, my father says very Gamliel, have a laugh on the mirror, you do it, your brother, brother, we're a bundle of Venecha, we're a bundle of Venecha, you should see children to your children, Shalom Yisrael. They want to do different than their parents. And it causes a machlekes between the father and the son. Now that this kid who caused a problem with his father, now he has children. Now he has to be his child. He'll realize when you have children. Ah, now you think what he says here. This is what he says. He says, when you have children, you'll first understand why your parents dealt with you the way that they did. When when you see when there's grandchildren, Shalom Yisrael, they become Shalom between the kid and his father because the kid had a child. So that's how his father translated the Pasuk. Again, father and son did not get along because son thought the father was wrong. Now son has a child, which is the father's grandchild, and realizes, oh my gosh, what my, I'm bringing up my kid. He's right, what he used to do with me. So, when you'll see grandchildren, Shalom Yisrael, then your son will make peace with you. That's what he translated. Beautiful. Those are Gamaliel's Rebbe. You hear? Okay, now, he says the following. So, I don't know if it's your minute who's listening, but it's our minute, many people's minute, to bench their children Friday night. Sfardim, some Ashkenazim, Yankees do it. Today I think everyone does it, right? So Rigamil never understood the minig. Why, why do you need to do that? Why do you have to bench your children Friday night? Right? Huh? What? That wasn't Friday night. Tomorrow that says actually, you're supposed to get a bracha first from your mother, 
That's the mugging of Ram. The mugging of Ram says you should go to your mother. No, not for it. You should go to your mother and kiss her hand because when she sees your father's getting to bench all the kids, she did all the work a whole week. He shows up, so the so the mugging of Ram says you should kiss her hand. But here he's saying something else. This is what he's saying. This is unbelievable. So he says the following: You do a nayig, it's a minig. It's a harbe, it's a minig. To bench your children every Friday night. I decided one day, Regal Miguel says, to figure out where does this minute come from? Everything has a makar. After the world was created, it's never a time where people, parents, don't have Chalisha Sadas and Agmas Nefesh from their kids. Kids cause their parents Agmas Nefesh. Agmas Nefesh pain, you know, struggle. But that was a girl with Kitri Godel, and it causes a huge Kitri against the children. Because this child caused aggravation to the parents, so the Satan now makes, goes up in front of Hashem, says, You have to punish him. When it comes to such an amazing time. So Knesset Shabbos, and when Shabbos is coming in, when Shabbos is coming in Friday night, the beginning of Shabbos is a very big eighth Ratzon. It's a time of great pity, of great will of Hashem. So it's a good time to pray. So it's perfect at that time. The father should bench the head of his son or his daughter. To, to bench away the Kitrug from the Satan who's saying that the kid caused the parent's aggravation, so punish him. So the father gives him a bracha, that's what Ergamino says he found. The father gives a bracha to his children in order to break that kitrig. Alright. At the time that a man is mechavit his father and his mother, or a woman, do you do kibbut of him? I, I feel like I'm living with you and and um, I feel like I'm living with you and you and you're giving me honor. He brings out a Gemara in Kedushin Lamad Allah from about Rabbi Tarfin. He said Rabbi, Rabbi Tarfin kept Mitzvah's kibbutz of aim with Mesira Nifla. He would put the palms of his hand, right, under his mother's feet, so she could walk in the street. Whenever she wanted to get up onto something, he would bend down on all fours on the floor. And his old mother would step on him. And go up on him. And from him to onto the bed. Wow. He just did this to make it easier for to get onto the bed. Oh, it's a schus to have kibbutz of aim. It's a schus. It's a schus if you have parents. It's a schus. It's a schus. I remember. Wheel told me a story. Very old person, and he was crying. They asked him why he was crying. He said he cries every day because he doesn't have parents. 
because he doesn't have parents, he can't do Kibbutz Avayim. He lost one of the 613 mitzvahs. If you have parents, you have a chance to do Kibbutz Avayim, to call them, take them out to eat, make them smile. It's a great Sazach. Okay, so let me tell you what happened with me and Rabbi Gamliel. And I went to another, a very another, a big Gadol. And, um, we talked about two subjects. Subject number one was like this. I said to him, I'm having a huge problem with with a lot of the kids in this generation, girls and boys, and, and I'm sure some of you that are sitting here tonight. And the problem is, and this is my question to him, as a mechanic, and you know, I'm not talking about other rabbis, I'm talking about me now. I can't sell God as this mean, angry, vengeful being who you step out of line is going to burn you in hell. And there's two hells. There's one of fire and shelleg. And the one of shelleg is worse than a fire because ice, besides being very cold, if it's really, really cold, it burns you. So that there's two, there's two Gehenums. One of Shelleg and one of fire. So like, Hashem's gonna like, uh, okay, they're, they're half done, like the barbecue, turn them over, put some sauce on them, like, what is that? Right? So he's gonna, he's either gonna burn you, or, in this world, he's going to punish you that you're going to die of cancer slowly. Your kids are going to die while you're alive. You're going to lose all your money if you do that Avera. If you do this Avera, you're coming back as a dog. If you do this Avera, you're coming back as a bird. If you do this Avera, you're coming back as a stone. I'm like, it's not my picture of God. I have this picture of this merciful, loving Father. Not this evil creature that wants to burn you and hurt you and I'm like the kids are just getting turned off they don't want any part of such a God a vengeful, angry punishing God and I just don't believe that's what Yiddishkeit is all about the word Gehenna is not even mentioned in the Torah it's not there's a Rashi that translates a word that means Gehenna Ganadim is mentioned in Bereshit a few times I said, but, but Lemaisa, when kids come to me, they're like, look, this is, you know, you step out of line, zingo, zango, bango, he's got you, and if you think you can have a good life, he'll get you in the next world, haha, <laughs> like, one, he sits there and that's all he wants to do is punish, 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 punish. I said, Rebbe, I can't teach like that anymore. I said, but on the, but on the other hand, I can't tell them that if you do something wrong, you're not gonna go to Gehenna. And there's not Chayv Skila, for Hereg and Chenag. There is, a, there is a Gehenim, and I can't tell them there isn't a Gehenim. And, and I can't tell them that, that Chayef Kareis means that your children die while you're alive, and all these different things. I can't lie, I can't tell them that it's not what the Torah says. Skila, you stone them. Another one, you pour hot lead down their throat. And the other one, you chop his head, you know. I'm like, I'm like, really, I'm caught, I'm caught between a rock and a hard place. Because the truth is the truth. But it's not what I believe God is, but it's the truth. I went to Rebbe Gamliel, I went to another very big Gadol. And Mama says, I sat hours, hours. He's like, Rebbe, I said, Rebbe, you gotta help me here. I, I can't lie. 
I can't get up and say there is no Gehenna and just do whatever you want and you're not going to be Chayef Kares. You're Chayef Kares. The girl's in Nida. And you're Bayel, the girl's in Nida. You're Chayef Kares. And Kares is a very de- de- definite punishment. So I can't tell them, you know, there is no Gehenna and he loves you and just do whatever you want. Be like Nike. Just do it. And there's no punishment. That's, those rabbis are no good either. They, they tell them, don't worry about it. Just have some chulant and kishka and dance around the moonlight, you know, in tzvass and everything is going to be fine. He doesn't care that you can do every avera, you know, smoke some pot and get drunk on Shabbos and like, you know, life is, you know, happiness and chasidus is just happiness. And you, well, chasidus doesn't say you can be mechal Shabbos. Like what? Like, where does this come from? Like, you know, just be happy. All those rabbis who talk about punishment, we don't believe in that. You know, just be happy. No, the Torah tells you, you do this, what's going to happen? You can't tell me dancing around the moonlight in spots. It's not going to happen. The Rebbe's going to take care of it. It doesn't say we're going to tell the Rebbe to take care of it. The Moshe Rebbe is going to take care of it. It doesn't say that. It's all shtus. It's all stuff that, that, that's made up to get away with things. So on that side, I can't say that. But on the other side, I can't say that he sits there and just punishes and punishes all day. Rabbi, what do I do? That's what I asked Rabbi Gamliel. So he thought for two minutes. He said, the story is it's not a punishment. Gehenna is not a punishment. Kares is not a punishment. Misa is not a punishment. Malchus is not a punishment. He said, and this is something, it's interesting because I never discussed this with him and I've been preaching this, I've been teaching this and preaching this for my whole life. It's a consequence. A consequence is not evil. A consequence is not angry. You take a, a crystal glass and you drop it on the floor and it breaks. The consequence is if I hold the glass and I drop it on the floor, it's going to break. Is the, is the floor evil? Is the floor a punishing, angry floor? No. When God created the world, He created consequence physically, emotionally, and spiritually. In the physical consequential world, if you take a human being and you put him underneath the water, he will die. He doesn't have fins. So he will die. You take a fish out of the water and you put him in the most beautiful house, the most beautiful chair, he's going to die. Because unless it's a miracle. A miracle means that the normal natural consequence is broken. But without a miracle, he's going to die. Take a person and say, you know, drop him in the water and the guy's like, I love water and we're 90% water. We are water. We're out of water. We're going to die. You're going to die. Hashem created, you have to understand, if you learn it in Kabbalah, Hashem created a finite, consequential world in the physical world. You take fire, and you put your finger in it, you're going to get burnt. You could dab into Hashem, and you could say, I believe, you're going to get burnt. Right? So, you, you take this glass of water, and you pour it out. The, 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 the consequence of that is, that this bottle of water is going to be empty. You cannot be angry at a consequence. I can't be angry at the floor. It would be so stupid if you saw me yelling at the floor saying, What's wrong with you? Why did you break my glass? Hello? It's the floor. There's a consequence. So, my Rebbe said, Hashem wrote the Torah 
And we know the consequences of the physical world, right? You cut yourself, you're going to bleed. Hashem wrote the Torah to teach you what's the consequence of the spiritual world. And he said to me, a guy is on his way to a wedding. And he has a terrible stomach ache. And he defecates all over his clothing. All over, out, in, it's soiled. Stinks like, wah! So, if you take him, he can't come into the wedding like that. Because he comes into the wedding like that, no one's going to go near him. Wherever he goes, everyone's going to run away. He smells from it. And the waiters are not going to serve him. He's, it's disgusting. It's dirty. It's bacteria. It's, right? So, we have to clean him up. There's no one in the world that would say that you're evil, vengeful, spiteful, if you clean this guy up. Why don't you just let him be? Right? Just, just do it because you can't. Because he's soiled and he smells. Even if you got to give him a shower and scrub him. Right? And it hurts. And I would tell you, the biggest topic, you took him to your house, you took off all his dirty clothing, you washed him up, you gave him deodorant, you gave him some nice aftershave, right? Whatever it is. He comes to the wedding and he enjoys himself and says, thank you to you. You're going to call the person who cleaned them up? Vengeful, evil, disgusting, mean? No, of course not. He said, that's God. God wants you to sit right next to him in Shemayim, in the highest place. But you come to Shemayim and you're soiled. You're this Yujavera. You're made in your pants. You're this Yujavera. This other, this other. He can't, you can't come to the wedding like that. So he has to clean you up. So he tells you, this Avera, soap. This Avera, shampoo. This Avera, we need some really strong turpentine. If you have paint on your hands, soap's not getting it off. So if a whole thing of paint spilled all over you before the wedding, Right, well, first of all, I said to him, I have to argue, Rabbi, I have to, I, I don't agree with you. He said, what do you mean? I said, if a guy came to my wedding and he soiled and he smelled terrible, I don't, I, and I don't have time to clean him up, I'll put him in the corner, he's a poor man, and I'll tell the waiters you have to serve him. So not always you have to clean him up. A poor man I would let sit in my wedding. Rabbi said, no, you missed the whole story. It's the chassan that it happened to. Not some guest. The chassan defecated all over himself. You're going to let him go to the chuppah like that? Nobody's going to let him go to the chuppah. You think the college is going to stand with him like that? You can't. you got to clean him up. So he says, depending on what you did, do you need turpentine? Do you need alcohol? Right? Do you need just regular soap? You don't even need soap. You just need some water. Right? So he says, Hashem said in everything in the Torah, what you need to clean it up. He's not angry at you. He's not vengeful. He doesn't want to hurt you. That's not what's going on over here. He wants you to be at the wedding. He wants you to be in Ganeiden. But he can't take you to Ganeiden like that. It doesn't work. So he has to put you in Gehenna. It's, 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 it's a cleaning store. You're not angry at your jacket. You're sitting, you're on your way to the wedding and you're drinking, uh, uh, what's it called? Hawaiian punch. Right? And, 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 and you have a short stop and the Hawaiian punch is all over your tie and your shirt. And yeah, yeah, I can't go, right? So, oh, Hashem, it's a one hour cleaners. You run to the one-hour cleaners, you give them your shirt and your tie. What, you're angry at your shirt and your tie? You have to clean it, you have to clean it. You don't have a choice, I'm going to a wedding, I can't go with a shirt full of a wine bunch. You have to clean it. So what, you're evil, you're bad, you're angry, you're vengeful? No, you're not, you're none of those. There's no emotion there. You need to have a white shirt. 
the same thing. Because who loves us, because he loves us, he understands. I can't. You can't sit here next to me like that. They won't accept you in Shemayim, in, in, in Yeshiva Shemayim like that. So I'm not angry at you. Not vengeful. It's pure consequence. So if it's a pure consequence, it's a whole different story. It's a whole different story. I said that I could teach. Does that mean that's not evil? At the same time, you can't say that there's no consequence. You can't say that just by drinking on Shabbos and singing Zmiris that you can do Averis with girls, Kares, be Michal Shabbos, eat Treif, and do all the other Averis that you can't. That doesn't clean the consequence. There's a consequence to everything. Everything. You look at the wrong thing, there's a consequence. You eat the wrong thing, there's a consequence. Just like in the physical world. If you eat the wrong thing, you're going to be sick. If you're not going to clean your hands and eat the bacteria, there's a whole world of consequence. Physics, the greatness of physics, is a proof of God. Even though the biggest people in physics don't believe in Hashem, the great, physics is consequence. Every action, what's the first thing in physics? Every action has a reaction. That's it. That's the beginning, basis, first thing. You open a physics book, every action has a reaction. You have the little marbles, the little metal marbles. You drop one from this side, the other one pops out. You drop one from this side, the other one pops out. There's a reaction to everything in this world. There's potential energy, there's kinetic energy. Everything in this world has a reaction. So in the spiritual world, there's a reaction. Because Hashem's not angry at anyone. He's not angry at anyone. He's not vengeful. He doesn't want to barbecue you. It's just a cleansing process. That's all it is. Now, why do I have to come here altogether? Because to sit next to him, you're part of him. To be part of him, you have to be, you, 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 you can grow, you can become unbelievable. He give you a chance to come here. And if you don't, he says, if you're not, you're still unbelievable. You just gotta get rid of the schmutz. That's all. You're still unbelievable. And the sham of Christ can't be, can't be destroyed. That, that's understanding, you know, that's understanding the whole, that's such a concept that has to be taught to everyone. Because everyone thinks he's angry and he just wants to hurt us. It's a very important, a very, very important concept. I was talking in Eretz Yisrael about, um, about Amuna, which is also a very important concept. So what's Amuna? So I was, I was talking, I, I was talking in Eretz Yisrael, I was also talking here, I was just here by Shabbaton, and I was telling people, you know, there's a lot of books on Amuna, and a lot of people feel, they read the, the, the what's called the Amuna, and, and, and the, the Garden of Amuna, and all these things, and they feel very little because they don't have that crazy Amuna that seems to be expected, and because we are scared. And, and you have to realize, and, and I spoke to my Rebbe about this also, that we are human, we are human, we are human. And, and um, everybody has a different level of Amuna. I, I, you know, I just, um, I had an operation a while back, a long time ago, my kidney stones, whatever it was, and they, were, they crushed the kidney stones. So they were, they were going to put me under this machine, and, and the guy, you know, he counts, he says, count to ten, and you know by five you're out, the Demerol knocks you out, whatever it is. So I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I think I have Amuna, I'm going to tell you that I wasn't nervous, I said before before they start put the needle in, I said, Uviyadno Avkid Ruchi. In your hands I place my spirit. Good night. I mean Hashem's hands. I said, I may never wake up. I may close my eyes, I may never wake up. This is the first time I was using that kind of anesthesia, you don't know if you're allergic to it, right? Now could I tell you that I wasn't nervous at all? That I was on that level? I, I was a little nervous. Was I much less nervous than someone who doesn't have a Muna? Yes, definitely. I went to sleep with Yadav Kidruchi, but I saw a little pit in my stomach, maybe I won't wake. 
we're human, so you have to understand, don't, you know, there are people on that level, that their moon is so complete that they have no fear at all, but most people have a little bit of fear. That's fine. That's fine. You know, you know what a moon is between moon and bitachon? I love it. This is the best way of thinking of it. It's so true. Bitachon, I trust. I trust Hashem, right? So Bitachon is a guy who's a tightrope worker in the circus. Never ever fell. He's my best friend. He never fell. He does it with, with, uh, he does it on his feet, he does it with tricycles, bicycles, unicycles, okay. Anyway, somebody challenges him in the Grand Canyon to walk the tightrope between two canyons. No net. 10,000 feet down. No net. He's the best. He says to me, Zach! You think I could do it? You trust me I could do it? I'm like, you're the man. What's the difference? Grand Canyon or the circus, right? You have nothing to worry about. I trust you 100%. He says, you sure I should do this? I'm like, you, you're the man. I trust you 100%. Bitochem. He's the man. I trust him. Proven that he doesn't fall. What's a Muna? He says to me, you, you trust me? Get on my shoulders when I do it. That's a Muna. That I'm not doing. You're talking is sure you can do it. And Muna is, really? Get on my shoulders while I do it. It's a very different level in belief. I'm not getting on your shoulders. You can do it, but I'm not getting on your shoulders. I'm not a million percent sure. Not without a net, that's for sure. That's you between Bitochen and Amuna. So Bitochen is believing in Hashem when I said, I'm about to close my eyes before an operation and I may not wake up. I trust you, Hashem, that, that I'm going to wake up. But Bitochen is a different level. Bitochen is climbing on Hashem's shoulders. That's a very different level. Not everybody's on that level. I'm not on that level. Not everyone's on that level. You can read the God. You can read, you can read, and you can try, and you can try. Never there on that level. You can doubt it, and you can believe it, you can still be scared. That's not the highest level. The highest level is getting on Hashem's shoulders. It's hard. That's very, very, very hard. I want to tell you a story about my dad, Eli uh, Nishras, my father. So, he had Emunah. He had Bitochem, he had Emunah, whatever. It's a very famous story. I said in there to Saul on his yard site, and I spoke in Center's Yeshiva, a few other Yeshivas. But the reason I'm telling you to you is not about my father, it's about, it's for all of us. We have a couple of minutes left. So there was, we're in the plastic bag business, the Wallace's, many, many years ago. It was a huge account that everybody wanted to get in America. Three and a half thousand stores called Petri stores. Milton Petri, who owned it, the chairman of the board, was at that time the probably the richest Jew, now they're richer Jews, very powerful, very connected to Israel. Um, Milton Petrie, you can look it up, he's a very famous, gave a lot of money, and he had this big chain store, they were using millions and millions and millions of bags. And my father was making bags in Eretz Yisrael, so he thought it would be a good connection because he was very into Israel. So he got a meeting to get, he got a meeting with Milton Petrie, the owner of Petrie stores, which is very hard, to try to sell them bags. So Petrie said, I'll meet you for dinner. So they went to, at that time, the only kosher restaurant, Luigi Siegel's, Manhattan. 
And he went with my mother. My, father, my mother was my father's secretary. And we went with my mother and Milton Petrie. Now you have to understand who Milton Petrie was. He was ta- Donald Trump. He was the man. He was the man. And my father wanted to get this contract. It was the biggest bad contract that there was. So they sit down, and I, I guess they started supper very early, and but Petrie was talking a lot, and it was getting late. And my father never missed a minute. He used to fly back to the West Coast to get the three hours of Adam Nechamarev. He go, yeah, he would go, he would, he would have a, he would have a meeting, and he realized that if he flew back to New York, he wouldn't get Milchamayrev. He would fly back to LA to get the extra three hours from, from, from Midwest, so that he could get down Mincha. He didn't miss Minyan. So he's sitting there, he's looking at his watch, he's got a big problem. It's time for Milchamayrev, like in a couple of minutes. And they didn't even start eating yet. And Peachy's sitting there, and he's talking. And my father doesn't miss Minyan. So he tells my mother, listen, I'm going to slip out. Because in Muncie, in those days, there was one, there was one minion. There wasn't like, uh, factories. So you, if you have Mincha and Meirev together, and that's it. You miss Meirev, goodbye. There's no Meirev with a minion. So he'd have Mincha and Meirev. So that's a half an hour, 35 minutes. The guy's going to know something's up, right? But he told my mother, just talk to him, keep him busy. He said, excuse me, he left. He thought he went to the bathroom, Petrie. Father shows up 35 minutes later. Petrie was very sharp. Father says, and he goes, Mr. Wallstein, you didn't go to the bathroom for 35 minutes. Where were you? My father looks at him, he says, honestly, I had another appointment. Now this guy was very full of himself, he's a big man. He said, excuse me? You left dinner with me to have another appointment? My father says, yeah, I did. He says, who, who did you meet? My father says, you know, you're the chairman of the board of Petrie and I respect you. But I met the chairman, this is a true story. I met the chairman of the board of the world. So Petrie says, what? My father says, for the last 35 minutes I spent in a meeting with the chairman of the board of the world. He said, please explain. My father said, I'm an Orthodox Jew. There's a, there's a afternoon and an evening prayer. We pray three times. We speak to the chairman of the board three times a day in the morning for an hour, in the afternoon for 15 minutes, and in the evening for 15 minutes. He gives us an appointment, and we have a special meeting with the chairman of the board of the world. So Petrie says, that's amazing. You speak to the chairman, the board of the world? I'm giving you the business. We told him. Come tomorrow to, to my office. We're going to write a contract. Father comes to the office the next day. His buyer, he's the chairman of the board. So the buyer, he calls the buyer in. My father's sitting there. He calls the buyer in. My father, Petrie says to the buyer, I'd like you to give Mr. Wallstein a three-year contract. We are kind of we're looking for one order. Three-year contract. Um, and I, I, I don't want any, I don't want, I don't, no, he said, just three-year contract. So she says to him, well, Mr. Petrie, um, don't you want me to shop his prices? He says, shop the prices of the man who talks to the chairman of the board of the world? You don't have to shop his prices. If that's the chairman of the board he works with, his prices are right. 
I don't think any of the competition talks to that chairman of the board. Didn't shop our prices, gave him the order. For the, till Petri went under, it was my father's customer. To Muna. It was a good chance he'd lose the whole contract, lose everything. He walked back. The guy's like, were you crazy? You went to pray when, when I'm sitting here? You let me sit here with your wife? You know, whatever. And Muna. Number one comes Hashem. Number one comes Tila. How many people watching this year tonight, when they go to Davin, walk in, and feel they're talking to the chairman of the board of the world? You would never take your phone out. <laughs> chairman of the board of the world? Straighten out your tie. Straighten out your jacket. These guys are coming to land out with shorts. <coughs> they don't even have socks on. Hey, out of your mind. My father will look at you like, I, I, you're going to the chairman of the board in shorts? Or without, without, without a jacket on? The chairman of the board! You shave, you clean yourself up! That was my dad. That's a Muna. That's how he looked at it. He, he could have lost the whole business. It would have been very, very simply that he could have lost it. And, and he, he would, you know what? He wouldn't have cared. He would have said, wow, what a, what a, what a, what a, what a crazy scuss. Okay, so I want to end. I would like to end, but anyway, I think it's very important that what we learned tonight about, about, very important, about consequence and that Hashem is not this angry being, you know, that, uh, that wants to take, that wants to take revenge. So I want to tell you, I want to tell you a story, um, last week I'll tell you, just, just to end with, end this idea, with this idea, then I'll tell you a story about spiritual DNA. So these two girls, school, the teachers, they sent them to me, they're 11th graders and they're really angry at Hashem and what happened was they got into a whole thing with their parents and, and the school that that parents only love their kids, orthodox parents only love their kids if the kids are doing what they're supposed to Hariah one of the girls said my mother said, if I put on pants, she's going to disown me. What does pants and a skirt have to do with my relationship with my mother? She's my mother, which means that she's picking religion over me. She said, and the whole, the whole from religion, Orthodox Hashem forces you to, pull, to, 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 to take religion over your family. She said, it's true, it's not true. My mother said, she's going to disown me. So what do you mean? I, I'm still your daughter. I didn't do. I'm still your daughter. Nothing changed. Why are you disowning me? Oh, because I'm going to wear pants. Because my short skirt. Because I'm talking to boys. You're going to disown me. So what does that mean? It means that the religion is more important than me. We don't have a relationship. Our relationship is only based on Yiddishkeit. Yeah, Hashem's Yiddishkeit is all about him. She said to me, "He's selfish. It's all about him. If you don't do what he wants, then he doesn't love you." Where do you get this from? Yeah, look, my parents, look. My mother says, if I don't do what I'm supposed to, as from kite wise, she's disowning me. She's throwing me out of the house. If it's, I didn't change, I just changed my skirt to a pair of pants. I'm still her daughter, Rabbi. She said, mm, yeah, you're pretty angry. I said, you're so, I don't want to say the word I used, you're so wrong. Why? We're the only religion that God says he's second, not first. I told the two girls, 
God says, the two of you come before him. They said, what are you talking about? It's not true. We never learned that. I'm like, yes, it is true. And you did learn that. <laughs> if your life is in danger, said to both of them, anyone in your life is in danger, give them chazer. Call Hatzalah. Be Mechalo Shabbos. You take heart medicine? Eat on Yom Kippur. Eat on Tisha B'Av. There's a Mishnah that if, there's, if, if, if a house collapses, and you don't know if in the house there's a person, maybe yes, maybe no. And if the person's in the house, maybe it's a Jew, maybe it's not. And if it's a Jew, maybe he's alive, maybe he's not. Three Sveikas. Sveik, Sveik, Sveika. Halach is, bring a tractor, be Machal Shabbos, and pull away the debris. He said, where do you get this from? Hashem says just the opposite. When it comes to you, put me on the side. Except for the three cardinal averas, right? Killing somebody or whatever. But even that halachically, if a guy, if someone comes over to you and says, bow down to this Abayi Zohar, I'm going to kill you. And you bow down to the Abayi Zohar, the Allah and Shulchan Aruch is, you're potter. Because you're Ma'ayinais. So even the three cardinal sins, Hashem says, your life is in danger and whatever, you couldn't do it. Forgive it. So we're the only religion. You're, just, you're such fools. They're just the opposite. Hashem says, your skirt, your pants, nothing is more important than your life. Bahem. Just the opposite. Nothing is more important than your kipper. On your kipper, if there's a danger that something could happen to you, you're going to be Bechal Yom Kippur. It's not true. Judaism... Hashem says, you come before me. People don't realize that. You, your life comes before my Torah and mitzvahs. Bekuach nefesh deiches Look what goes on on Shabbos. Sirens, ambulances, chul Shabbos, all over the place. No, it's not Salakor. Salakor, Hashem says... All hands off. Just the opposite. People don't think. Kids think it's a punishment and he's evil. It's a consequence. They think that it's, Hashem is all about him and his Torah. It's not. It's all about you. He pushes away. <laughs> he steps aside. He becomes number two. When it comes to when it comes to the tug of war, God or me, God or my life, life comes first. How many girls? that I sent to rehab but Mitzvah Hashem we went to contract we're almost done we hope to open in June how many girls did I send to rehab where I knew that in the morning they're having bacon and eggs bacon and eggs bacon and eggs every single morning and I went to Rabbanim and I went to Rebbe's that they were part of and they all said bacon and eggs no problem if that's what's going to keep them alive we have to keep them alive yeah life of a Jew comes before God and it's not our it's not our choice. Hashem says you have to. You have to. My Rebbe has, is heart sick. Rabbi Gamil has to take medicine. On Yom Kippur, he didn't want to. He told his Rebbe, I think Rebbe Salavetche, I don't. I'm not taking my medicine. One day, it's not going to hurt me. One day, you can forget one day, right? And he said, if you don't take your medicine on Yom Kippur, it's an avera. And if you eat on Yom Kippur, it's a mitzvah. You got it all wrong. It's a mitzvah 
because your life comes first. So if you think you're not going to take your medicine, but you're a big tonic, just the opposite. In Shemayim, they're writing down as an Avera. You have to do you have to do chuba on your kipper for doing an aver on your kipper by by fasting. Yeah, we are special in Hashem's eyes, and He loves us, and He wants us to be at that wedding. He wants us to be wearing nice, clean clothing. So He puts us through a little bit. And Rabbi Gamliel said to me, He said that when He speaks, He doesn't like to talk about Gehenim and stuff like that. But He says sometimes He has to. And He says you need to know something. He said. It's brought down, this is very Kabbalistic. He said that it's brought down, that how do people, how do people make it through Gehenna? It's so painful. And he said that there's a window, and that they see, that for every Avera they did, that they got Gehenna times one, every mitzvah they do, they got Ganadin times 500. So Hashem opens the window in Ganadin and shows them, when they come out of your hand and what their portion is going to be. In other words, when you clean your clothing, you're not going to stop sit. You, you're the chassan. You're going to sit with a Ramavinu. And that's what gives them the kayak to go through what they're going through. So it's worked down in a, in, 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 in a Kabbalistic safer. So I think that we, 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 today's shir is very important. When I'm bringing it back from Israel, is a, a shift in the way that we think. A very important shift in the way that we think. And that we also have to realize you know, we have a chance as Jewish people in, or, in an organized way to go to talk to the chamber of the board of the world but even in our room on the edge of our bed or any place in the world we always have a chance to talk to the chamber of the board of the world and that is a great tzchus and we need to use it and Bezrat Hashem we should be able to see I just want to add that tshuva, how does tshuva work? What happens to the consequence? So when a person does tshuva, it changes that the, that, that where we talked about the, the Hawaiian punch, that the punch never went on the shirt. It goes back to when the action happened, when the avera happened, and it turns it, either erases it, so the punch yeah. never, the punch never, out of yira, so it erases it, so there's no punch on your shirt. There's no punch on your shirt, you don't need to take it to the cleaners. So the consequence, the, the tshuva takes away the avera itself, so there's no consequence. So the, the glass never drops, so it never hit the floor. Tshuva me'ava turns it into a mitzvah. Even a, a greater matana from a Baruch Hu. So a Baruch Hu is not vengeful. He wants you to do tshuva. If you did something wrong, he wants you to do tshuva. You have a chance to make it that the punch never got onto your shirt, that you never made your pants dirty, and your pants never got soiled. And you came to the wedding and you're clean. And that's a present that he gives us. You can do every moment of every single day. So we shouldn't throw that present back at him. We should do, we should do tshuva. And like one of the boys mentioned that, you know, there are many things that have a consequence immediately. You, you put your finger, your hand in the fire, you feel it burn immediately. The shama is a little bit harder to feel immediately. The consequence really is immediately. It, 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 every time we do an avera, we, we're further away from Hashem. So there is a consequence that happens immediately. But who's a smart person? A person who reads the consequences. The only difference between a teenager and an adult is a teenager doesn't think, just do it. He has no consequence. And an adult, when the, as you get older, you realize that everything has a consequence. So you stop doing the things that may cause damage. That's, that's really the difference. And that's what the Mishnah says. Eidu Chachem, who's the smart person? Haraya is Nailad. What's the Nailad? Nailad is what you created. What's what you created is the consequence of your action. 
who's a smart person who, rea- who realizes that every action has a reaction which should be Zaychet Ketamethim Mashiach Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.